Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started now. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Break, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. It is the Giannis feels slighted by the refs trying to call calls on James Harden edition. I'm your host, J-Mac, Kyle Beats, Josh VG. Fellas, how we doing? Dude, I'm glad to be back. Good to see you guys. I think Giannis uh, has, a, has a fair point, but... I think that's him as a competitor. He's a lot more competitive than most of these guys that were playing last night. But, man, it's glad to be back. We've had a – I feel like a lot of stuff go down in the NBA since we last talked. You know who has a fair point for being slighted by the refs is Aaron Gordon hmm. for the second time in a row, dude. And I'm, I'm here with my soapbox because I'm sick of that. He's not going to do it anymore. Like, he had – Three different, unique, never-before-seen dunks that were extremely high difficult, and he didn't get it because Derek Jones Jr. did four between the legs in a row. Yeah, so I think he got more slided in this one than he did in the, I guess you're referencing the Zach Levine one. Yeah. I thought yeah. Zach Levine's were really impressive because I, I give credit to the fact that he's 6'4", um, but yeah, I, I think Aaron Gordon, the backboard one, we're used to seeing that, but... Not the way he did it with the 360 windmill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, the one where he jumped over, he well, he did it between the legs and then reverse. Like, and that one's from the sideline. And that we've never seen that before. Like he's just doing things that you don't see. Everybody else kind of does something that you have seen before and just does it a little bit differently. He does stuff that you've never seen before. And now we're we're never gonna see him in another dunk contest again because D, D Wade wanted to vote for his boy. I mean that that in an of itself is very confusing because there shouldn't be any allegiance there. I love that right. Common was part of this and, you know, and we had Pippen in there. Like, there were so many good things. We'll get into, like, All-Star Weekend and stuff here in a minute, but, like, it, it really is crazy that it's it was pretty much the same four dunks in a row that won versus ones that were really creative and just didn't really seem to move the needle for anybody. I, I thought that was very odd, too. Yeah, it sends a pretty mixed message on what they're looking for, but... Like I said, we'll we'll dive into that. I mean, last time we spoke, you know, we talked about what we saw happening at the trade deadline. Uh, now that that's passed, were there any surprises in there for you guys? Yeah, I mean, Andre Drummond for a second rounder, right? <laughs> that's unbelievable. Hey, don't uh, don't sleep think, on Brandon Knight. Yeah, Brandon I think Knight that you was, uh, you said it best when you said, "I don't think that second rounder is going to get you fourteen boards a game." Yeah, I mean. You know, I know there was some rumors around the Mavericks maybe going that direction, which I think we all kind of backed off on uh, as we got closer to that date. But well, <laughs> looking at what they gave up for it, though, if we could have, yeah. if we could have gave them like, you know, a, yeah, a backup guard, if we could have given them, you know, Courtney Lee and, and 
a second round pick absolutely would have done that it Dude, seems yeah. like something they would have done because they did so i don't it's insane would you give up jalen brunson for andre drummond yeah i would jalen uh, brunson's I was better than that entire package brunson. yeah yeah um it's better than that entire package i i actually probably would rethink that though I, I i'm not with you guys on that i think i, was I love no no i'm with you justin i love brunson that's why i like was like a backup guard that's why i tried to say courtney lee and not jalen brunson because i don't want to give up brunson right i would give up courtney lee and justin jackson and the golden state second which is probably going to be a 31 or 32 overall pick to get drumming but i want to keep i like i like pal i like kleba and i like brunson on on the mavs bench and thj I, I would give up brunson for an all-star level center if it's one for one, yeah. But if I got to throw in another player yeah. and that pick, which is kind of what it looked like it took to get that done with Brandon Knight and, and Henson, um, I I don't know. I'm not – Well, I, I'd have to think about that. And the, the bigger picture is you're talking about a point guard on a rookie deal that's supposed to be your future right. J.J. Barea who has a motor off the bench and who understands how Carlisle's offense works with and without Seth Curry, which is really important. And – you're giving that up for a guy who makes 18 mil and will make 18 mil because he said he's Bro, opting in. Tw 28, 28. 28, excuse me. I don't know why I was thinking 18. Yeah. 28, 28 mil this year and another year next year. Who's Like I said, even though he was pissed off that he got traded to Cleveland, he still said he's opting in next year. So you're stuck with that guy. So if he gets <laughs> hell hurt. Yeah, he's opting in. Hell 28. yeah, he is. Fuck yeah. The, we talked about that. The only reason that he wouldn't is if he could go get like a four for 70 somewhere else and make more money. But even so, that's, I mean... You know, that's that's a roll of the dice on yourself when you can just opt into a player option of almost 30 mil. So you give up a lot, like in Jalen Brunson, a lot of controllable asset for uh, a guy that yeah. could potentially opt out on you. And, and it's it's not even a contract situation because even when his deal comes up, he's not going to command 20. He's not going to command any kind of money like that. It's what you talked about is he knows his role and can play in the Carlisle system so well. Right. And he's a winner. I mean, he showed that at Villanova. And I, I just – I see what you're saying, Josh. Like, if it's one for one, yes, but I don't know. I I, I just – I would have liked to see them do it. I would have loved to see Dallas get Andre Drummond, but I would have liked to see him do it in a different way that didn't involve Jalen Brunson. Pretty much anybody else on the bench, I would have been, been good with him giving up, plus that Warriors pick. And I'll tell you this, too. Like, that Warriors pick becomes more and more valuable every single day. And, I mean, they yes. just moved – like this, I guess this kind of leads us into the D'Angelo Russell trade. So this is one that we saw coming. Even whenever they signed him, we kind of knew they were going to move him. Right. Like that was that's never the one we said we we expected to happen. <clears throat> Would you agree with that, Josh? Or were you? Did you think that he'd be with the Warriors for the the life of that deal? No, I agree with that. I, I'm still mad at Kevin Durant for giving him that. That's fair. Like, just don't. Don't right. sign a freaking <laughs> sign and trade, dude. Just go over there and keep yeah. D'Angelo Russell and give them more trade assets to get better players. It doesn't make any sense to me. Only but, K but I digress. But the, the only KD can make our you know trade deadline recap conversation while he's not playing with an Achilles injury because of Josh's had, animosity. Gilbert Arenas one time. No, I'm just <laughs> hadn't even touched a court this year. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the the interesting thing about that deal is that Golden State. So. We talked about that pick becoming more and more valuable. I mean, that team stinks without... I mean, it was already a rickety boat going forward, and with Steph going down without Clay, like, that that pretty much sealed the deal right out of the gate, which does suck right. for some of these, you know, Golden State versus, like, Pelicans games that we got so early on where neither 
Zion or any of those people were playing. That yeah, sucked. Rough. But the bigger picture for this deal is so they took Andrew Wiggins in this deal. They shipped they shipped Andrew uh, uh, sorry uh, D'Angelo Russell out of there to Minnesota. And what this does is it, one it gets Minnesota off that that Wiggins deal, which for Golden State, which I think they're probably the only team where that deal is advantageous for them because they freed up a new mid-level exception for next year and they basically reset the luxury tax entirely going forward. It opens up flexibility for them for five to ten years down the line and we just watched them go run, what, a five, six-year dynasty here and, I mean, Josh, you and I argued about that a ton about like whether they can pay these people or not, but now that they reset the tax, they can do that and it's it was a it was a chess move while also making sure that they tank and just be bad for the rest of the year because D'Angelo was doing nothing but making them better. And that's not what they need at this point. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins will definitely ensure that you tank and are bad. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so I agree with Correct. that. <laughs> so I, I like that move actually a lot. And I, I it seemed like D'Angelo was going to play with Towns. That's just seemed like that's what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, those guys are boys. Yeah. So, and we talked about that. Guys want to play with their friends. I think they went after Wiggins because he has one of those big contracts that you can use as a salary piece to Correct. get somebody else. To, uh, right. A disgruntled star. So do you think you guys don't think Wiggins stays there? You, do you think he's a piece to be used? Hmm. So one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to be a piece to be used to get someone like Luka Doncic. Like, cause it's the Warriors or he's going to turn into a, existence. or he's going to turn into a 30 and 15 guy and be a be a hall of famer now that he's on the warriors one of those two things will happen because well, i hate the warriors i think so. man if you have clay and steph spreading the floor with wiggins he actually becomes a much better player as a third option that can get to the get to the rim and his shooting has gotten to at least league average he's he's a good third scoring option and i mean obviously with draymond creating and they're getting good production out of that guy from the five pascal right now they're gonna have a potentially like a number one or two overall pick and a number five overall pick. I think they're going to be positioned pretty well where they don't need to move Wiggins. And it actually makes sense. Yeah. I just think the trade makes sense for everybody because D'Lo and Cat and Booker, those guys are all buddies. They played AAU ball together. So now you got two guys that like Justin said, they're just guys playing basketball together and making a lot of money. I mean, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I, I to circle back and give you an actual answer, right, instead of just smart-ass one. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that Wiggins will be a lot better. Anytime that you can put any or yourself on the court with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, two of the guys that have the most gravity in the league, um, you're going to get better. Because and in Minnesota, Andrew Wiggins was a 1.5 uh, scoring option, right? So he's not like Carl Anthony Towns is the first, but the league doesn't play from bigs anymore. Like, they play from guards and wings. Right. So you still have a more of a – more of an onus to score than a normal second option. And he's just not that good. Right. So he can become a third option on threes. He can defend when he's motivated because he's long, he's athletic and he, uh, he's relatively strong. Um, I, I think he's going to be a, a great fit there, even if they don't trade him. So yeah, I'd agree with that, but he, can, he, his salary does say, this is a piece that we're going to move around. We talked about before in our preview deadline, we talked about, uh, Doug McDermott always being a piece that you moved around. And it was because he was like, 10 million off of the difference between a max player and then a right. 20, 20 million a year player. Um, Andrew Wiggins could be that guy where he's just a piece that you use to move and attract another star and make the money work for picks. And I wouldn't put them past doing something like that, but 
it's one of those things. It, it definitely works out for all sides, but it's one of those things where it it could work if they keep him. It could work if they get rid of him. Yeah, and that's genius in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a good point. It's still intri- I think it's intriguing to have that roster. I'm sure that knowing Josh's luck, that they'll trade him for like DeAndre Ayton or something like that, and you know, just be an absolute powerhouse for the next ten years. They'll trade him for all eight picks that OKC got from uh, <laughs> from um, the Clippers. Is what will end up happening. It's true. It's true. So I really, okay. I really do think I was going to say I really do think that roster is going to look impressive going into next year. People don't like talking about it right now because they've won like thirteen games, but it's going to happen. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Um, the next one that I found probably the most intriguing, the one that we actually talked about, but I, we definitely didn't see this as a suitor, is Iguodala going to the Heat in exchange for Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, James Johnson. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I mentioned that the Heat were like heating up as a uh, as a contender or a suitor for him, but I didn't think it was going to end up ultimately going there. There's a lot of players involved in this, actually, when you look at it all on paper. Um, but ultimately, I think I think getting Crowder and Iguodala onto that team, you know, with Butler and Bam, that's a a very solid defensive team that has some nice complementary scoring options. It's just as Josh has alluded to on the show, the scoring options are very young, and we're going to see how that plays out in the playoffs. Has Crowder actually worked anywhere other than pseudo Boston? Kinda. He kind of worked in. I thought he worked in he Utah worked in, decently. He worked in Dallas. I thought. Yeah, Carlisle didn't like him. He was young. Carlisle was young. Yeah, yeah. Carlisle didn't like him. He didn't like his game for the system is what it was. Um, I have never seen a trade trade deadline where we had two teams that are trying to get over the hump and possibly compete deep into the playoffs just absolutely lose on their trades. And Miami was one of them that I think absolutely lost on this trade. Like you got rid of – for to put it into perspective, Justice Winslow is a six-foot-eight can guard one through four and has the third best defensive efficiency in the league. He's like at a 97 uh, defensive rating, which is whenever he's on the court, teams are scoring at a 97 points per possession or poor 100% possessions. Whenever justice wins on the court, the league averages like 105. Yeah. Pretty good. And he played point guard. He played point guard last year for them as well. And he's 24, 25. He's so versatile and usable everywhere. And he's one of the best defenders. He's arguably the best wing defender in the league. Arguably, right? I wouldn't go that far because Kawhi's out there. But right. numbers say numbers say that he's playing the best defense in the league of all the wings. He's an elite he perimeter a, defender. He has a. He's one of two players that have a higher offense, defensive rating than Giannis. Like that's crazy, right? And and they traded him for oldest balls Iguodala, and then signed Iguodala to dang near max two year contract. Like that's. It's stupid. Like, what are you trying to do? Why would you? So, teams are working so hard to win now. Whenever they have so many, so many young assets that are going to continue to grow. Look at the amount of assets that the Heat have that are going to continue to grow. They have three rookies right now. Right, I think that will be twenty point per game scores, and they're trying to win now. And they're giving up another young guy that plays monster defense for a two year guy that might play good defense. Like that's stupid. And veteran presence. We, we talked about it with Dallas, and I said, you need to hold hold firm and not make any trades because you have the core to win in the future. You have it. And they did it. They did a great job of holding firm and not making any trades and getting rid of anything there. 
Miami didn't do that because they want to win now for some reason, which doesn't make any sense. You have Jimmy Butler locked up. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. This trade doesn't make any sense for Miami. But the, the thing is, the East is weaker than I think projected. And when you look at, I mean, you're talking about taking away an 11 and 6 guy. That's not really, you're not really getting, I get that he does a lot of things off the ball that are really important. And, you know, he does play the basically almost one to four position not necessarily the four as much it's depending on the lineup I guess it's out there but with Bam it's a little bit like that makes it a little bit antiquated as far as like old school lineup you know goes but true I, I don't see that as, as big of a loss for Miami really and truly it, it doesn't seem like they really knew what to do with him while while it looks like they could just plug him and play him in a lot of different places it always felt to me like they didn't really know what to do with Justice Winslow. So you uh, you kind of liked the trade, didn't getting Iguodala and that experience in I there? Mean, aside from my usual thoughts on Iguodala, I mean, aside from, from all that... From a basketball standpoint. From a basketball standpoint, I actually do like this trade a lot. So I think I'm in between. I agree with Josh that Miami gave up the best player in this, in this trade, in my opinion, and when you're trying to go for a championship and you're on the cusp of it, that's not how you get to that, is, is giving up the best player in the trade, but... Where I, I do disagree slightly is that I think I, I don't want to doubt what Pat Riley is doing here. And I think he's hedging to your point, Josh, where he's getting all these older defenders and like pushing the issue more than he needs to and giving up assets. I think he's hedging a little bit with those three young scoring assets, essentially. Um, I think that's his, his, his hedge. So he ha he's keeping those young scoring assets in place, but basically loading up on these older, more proven def defensive players, and that's the strategy he's going with. And I, I think it's actually going to – I think they could easily get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. But he gave up a better defensive player than than what he got back. I think he's trusting Iguodala in a game seven of the second round in the Eastern Conference playoffs to defend better than Justice Winslow will in that moment. I, which I, that, I don't that to, that, I mean, I think it. you're, I think you're right. Like that has to be what he's doing. That's I just think, saying. I just think Whether he's wrong. Agree, that's yeah, his yeah. mindset. Yeah. Sure. I, I think he's wrong, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's exactly what he, what he's doing. Um, the other team, uh, did you guys have anything else to say about that one or not really? Dude, the extension Memphis, is a little bit crazy. I'll give you that. Memphis is freaking set, bro. <laughs> like with Jaron Jackson and John Morant, who's playing out of his mind. And now you got a bulldog dude. Like that guy is a tank. And he's one of the people that like, there are good defenders and there are good defenders that knock you out for two to three games after they defend you. And he's an athletic team. It's an is, athletic team. He's built like a freaking tank, dude. Um, like if you're playing that guy in a seven game series and you have to be guarded by that guy, you're going to be hurting after game one or two. Yeah. Like the, like, so what they're, what they're building here is, to me, if I'm looking at the arms race that is the NBA, right, and I'm in the West, I'm going, all right, I got to get somebody, go out and get somebody that's going to guard Doncic for the next five to six years. And Justice Winslow is that guy. Yeah. Uh, mm, so mm, Memphis, I think so. I mean, I think Kawhi is more that guy, but sure. Well, yeah, sure. But I'm not. Of getting, available I'm, guys. I'm, right, I'm, not, right. yeah, I'm not picking up Kawhi with Andre Iguodala, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, that, that was the best trade that Memphis could have made for Andre Iguodala. I don't think that they. I don't think they would have gotten as much from the Lakers. I don't think they could have gotten as much from the Clippers. That was a fantastic trade. I would have, out of spite, shipped his ass off to Cleveland for a second-round pick in five years, right? But Apparently, uh, Dallas thinks Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is the answer for, for guarding uh, elite wings in the uh, Western Conference. Yeah, but they, Dude, traded, if, they didn't trade anything to get him. It's not like they traded away an asset. It's I know, a I just, minimum deal. 
that was a, that was a good that was a good move by Dallas for not trading anything to get him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, it was a good buyout. I, I like. It might even I just be a roster his, filler. I love his size, but he's shooting twenty one percent from three. It's it's not great. Dude, that guy was picked number two overall. He doesn't need to be shooting the three. That's the thing. He needs to be playing almost like a. You could you could play him at four, even though he's right. six seven. He's big enough. I mean, we're seeing this league really. I mean, really change when you're seeing Zion go at the five. Like but, you uh, have to remember, they just lost Dwight Powell, so they've got to fill production somewhere there, and like right. they're hoping that Patchwork of Willie Cauley Stein and Michael Gilchrist together will do that. It won't, but that's what they're hoping for. Yep. I agree with that. So, I mean, wow. that was a good buyout. One of the ones that probably, I don't know, I think I was surprised by this. I Every time I start thinking about this deal more and more, I'm less surprised. But the Clippers acquiring Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas in exchange for Maurice Harkless, a 2021st round, and sending Jerome Robinson to the Wizards. I mean, it's it's just Chuck adding that. a little more a little more dog to that Clippers roster. You know, I, I, I don't like Marcus Morris. A lot of people are saying, like, you know, this is going to be the guy that's going to be on LeBron in a Western Conference Finals, or this is the guy that shut LeBron down. I mean, he's he'll talk that noise, and he's physical, and he's a good defender, but, like, make no mistake about it. Like, I'm having Kawhi Leonard guard LeBron James in those moments, but I or just Paul think it George adds another. Or Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Or Paul George, but it just adds, like, so if you look at, if you really want to run a lineup out there, let's say the Clippers are having a difficulty shutting somebody down in the playoffs regardless of the round, if you go Pat Beverly, Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Montrez Harrell. Unless there's a seven footer out there, you're going to be perfectly fine size wise. That's a lot of big wing players. That's an incredible defensive lineup with a lot of versatility. I think that's going to give them the ability to to shut down teams even as good as the Lakers offensively. I uh I had this so I debated before I made my statement of I've never seen two teams that are trying to get over the hump lose in a trade deadline like this. I debated saying three teams. Mo Harkless, I think, has a much better chance of guarding LeBron James in spurts than Marcus Morris does. I disagree with that. Um, strength no standpoint. way. That, and Mo that's, that's fine. You so, can't. He's so, he's so, Mo Harkless is very, very soft. Weak. He's not physically imposing as much as Marcus yeah, Morris. Yeah, in, in, in streaks, but LeBron's 10 times faster than Marcus Morris. Like, I don't think they really got. The, and and Harkless is faster than Marcus Morris as well. It, it all depends, yeah, right? Right. So you have those trade offs, and the the big thing that they're I wanted to see the Clippers do to really make themselves better is go out and get some sort of rim protector. I don't know why they weren't in the Drummond uh, situation, but um, maybe they just felt like they had to give up too much. But then that happened. I I just don't know if that just made that team any better. I don't know if it made them any worse. I I just it was I don't a, know, it was though. a mad trade. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get from Marcus Morris every single time. And, I mean, he showed up, the I think it was the first game, maybe the second game he played, and just took over the game entirely. And, you know, like in nights where, I mean, you have to think about the Paul George thing too. Like, I mean, he's out with a hamstring injury. How many games has he played this year? We talked about this recently. I forget how many it is. Not Paul nearly, George? Yeah. Dude, that not, guy's. Not nearly as many as you may think. That and, guy's not going to be healthy. Right. No. And so, like, you have to try to substitute a lot of things out whenever you don't have him and i think that makes a huge difference here yeah one thing that it, i will tell you is that marcus morris shoots 43 percent of the three-point line that's big i Pretty think good. that that if doc rivers is good he can use that on one night during a series to replace paul george because 
that guy's a walking injury, bro. Like, I, I'm sorry, but Paul George just isn't going to He's a walk. Yeah, he is a walking injury. And I, I honestly think that they can still win the NBA championship with him not playing. Agreed. He's played in 34 crazy games as that this year. sounds. I trust Kawhi that much. Like, Kawhi. You know, I know we're talking all-star, but we, we saw it last night. Dude is is just not human. But And yeah. this is a better team he's playing with technically than that. <laughs> yeah. A more mature team. Like, yeah. And he's playing better. Like, he's... He's, I also looked at it the other day. His assist numbers are up quite a bit. He's facilitating much better. He's almost at five assists a game, I think. Jesus. Don't quote me on that. But he's he's definitely facilitating a lot better. Um, I do want to talk about one other trade, which is, you know, got a lot of speculation about the size of the lineup they've been running out there, which is Robert Covington going over to, uh, to the Rockets. Um, I don't want to go through the entire trade. There's 11 players involved. I think we've all seen it. Robert Covington is of the most uh, – recognition with as along with Clint Capella going to the Hawks uh but Covington coming in what do, what do you I think I have an idea of what Justin thinks what do you think of this lineup they're running out there right now Josh with the six six and under six seven and under so they've been successful with it right um when did yeah. they the, they've won a couple games I, I'm looking through their past uh past games here and the highest rebound rebounds they have have been straight guards um. Yeah, like their their well, leading rebounder every single game has been straight guards. I so this is the thing with D'Antoni. They went all in on D'Antoni's system, right? And I think that what's going to happen here is they're going to get bounced in the first round, and then they're going to go, okay, we don't want D'Antoni anymore, and they get rid of D'Antoni. But then now now they've had this team that's been built for his system, and and it, they're going to go, okay, we we can't do anything with this. We have two players that are commanding more than sixty percent of our our overall uh, salary, right? And we don't have any assets. Like after this trade, they don't have any more assets that are even close to tradable. Like they, there's no value on that team whatsoever. It's uh, James Harden, max deal, Russell Westbrook, max deal. And then there's Eric Gordon, who has a no trade clause, who's kind of movable at 15 million, around 15, 10 to 15 million, mm-hmm. and Robert Covington. And then the rest are 5 million and under. Like there's no value on that team outside of Austin Rivers, and they're not getting rid of Austin Rivers because he's so flipping cheap that you you can't do anything with it, right? This this trade was, I think it 100% like locks them into getting bounced in the in the first or second round by a team that's bigger than them because we've seen success in the in in the regular season. It's not going to continue in the league. Like you can't have PJ Tucker guard. Anthony Davis or guard Nikola Jokic or guard Rudy Gobert and for seven games, dude, like it might work in the regular season on one night. You can't do it for seven games. Right. It's, it's just not going to happen. I, I think that this was a horrendous trade and they 100% lost because they went all in on D'Antoni's system. D'Antoni's system is going to get blasted in the, in the playoffs and they weren't trying to win more regular season games. They're trying to win a championship and this did not do it for them. Strong agree with that. Like that this trade makes Zero sense to me other than, Josh, you're 100% correct. This is all it on D'Antoni's shit. And I'm just not a Mike D'Antoni believer. I never have been. I, I don't think this team gets bounced in the first round. I think they managed to maybe shoot the lights out and get out of the first. But it, it's all, obviously all going to depend on matchups. But they will not get out of the second right. round. They will not yeah. get out of the second round. Yeah. Guaranteed What that. do the matchups look like right now, actually? Um, so, so I'm But yeah, I, I agree. It all depends on matchups, right? If they get lucky and they pull... I think Dallas would be one that would be favorable for them to pull. They're not um, going to play Dallas. No, they're going to right now. They're, they're s- only at five. They're playing Jazz. They would get they would get bounced by the Jazz. I think. 
Right now, right now. And then the Clippers, they'd get bounced by the Clippers if they dropped a six. I, they want to pull – you want to pull OKC or Dallas. You need to be in the top three. And I, don't, I just don't see it's happening, dude. I don't Los think they're going to – I don't yeah. think they're going to beat Dallas in a seven-game set. Well, I, I'm not as confident about that as I was when Dwight Powell was still playing. I, I can't believe yeah. I'm even saying that. That's very fair. Uh, so you've got – Here's the teams that I think that are in the playoff run that the Rockets could beat. Um, OKC, Mavericks, Grizzlies. Those are the only teams that I think the Rockets could beat in the in the playoffs. And even some of those teams would give them a good run for their money. Yeah. Um, I don't think Memphis has any chance against them. I, I think that Dallas would give a, give them a good run th- for their money. I think that OKC, I don't I think it'd be I I, I couldn't see them beating the Rockets, but they're not, losing, they're not beating the Lakers. They're not beating the Nuggets. They're not beating the Clippers. And I don't – like, Jazz would be the best chance. I don't – I would give 80% to Jazz. I think this is a first-round exit for Russell to continue his first-round exits. <laughs> I say that from as an OKC fan. Yeah, Jazz just wants freaking, that to come true. My heart still hurts. I don't want it to come true. I love Russ. He didn't do it. He did so right by us. I want him to win a championship. But he's got flipping – first he had to – play under scott brooks and then he had to play under billy donovan now he's got to play under d'antoni's stupid system pretty rough the poor dude you hate to see it so overall winner of the trade deadline before we wrap up and move on to the all-star weekend if i if i had to say the overall winner i would i know it sounds crazy but i i think it's golden state i agree with that i don't think that sounds crazy i would say them memphis um hawks obviously yeah, Hawks got better. Hawks, Hawks Hawks are really taking that Sacramento approach by having seven, six, eleven plus guys. They're yeah. so terrible too. I don't even know if we <laughs> talked about that on the show. I went and saw them when they were in town and Yeah, I mean, you've you have you have mentioned it a few times to me. Just it's just horrific. been horrific. Yeah, it's been a rough season. But no. yeah, it was overall um a little bit more movement, I think, of the trade deadline than we expected. But it's I can't be believe the Lakers didn't make a move or couldn't make a move. What yeah. what, what pieces do they have or to the do make a move? Yeah, that's that's the thing is like you you think that they go out and give up a little bit more of their future to, in order to kind of sure up this right now. The they don't have the future. They've already given that up. Well, I mean, deep picks, right? And if you can get maybe you can get Drummond for a 2024 first rounder, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, but like, I think uh, Kyle Kuzma has value, but they didn't want to move him. Yeah, that I think so. They were shopping him. Correct. But he came back with lower morale. It's like in 2K where he comes back and he's like, I, I want to get out of here. I've talked I don't, about it, dude. <laughs> when you go to that that mid-2010s Chris Brown uh, blonde, I'm, I'm on dude. drugs haircut, it's it's, uh, it's going to be a rough going out there yeah, in LA, that's, but It's definitely a tough look. I don't understand why the Lakers can't commit to any young players ever, 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 ever. I think LeBron can't commit to young players and he's just yeah. running the Lakers right now. Pretty much. So, more or less. It's just, that's astounding to me. Like you have one player left of that whole core that you built that have all gone off and done good things. I don't think they need to make a move though. I really don't. Like, I think they're in a, in a position where they're one of the three best teams in the league and, yeah. and they're going to be right there. Yeah. And it's just going to come down to LeBron and AD out playing Kawhi, which I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but to Justin's point, like you're right in that um, I'm shaking toenail clippers at you. My bad. Um, so <laughs> to, to Justin's point, you're right. Um, they they don't they don't want to commit to younger players, but we're seeing that throughout the league where everybody's just trying to win now, and there's not a whole lot of building going on. Um, I, I think well, that a lot of people saw success with that with the Warriors, but they forget that they went through four to five years of building. 
Um, and they went out four, and got Kevin Durant. So now everybody's trying to trying to replicate that, you know, four to so, five, uh, 20 years, something like that. They were, you know, something. <laughs> well, it was 20 years of being shit and then four to five years of building. Right. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. I think everybody's just trying to everybody's trying to skip the building phase. Yeah. I mean, kind of. I, I I see what you're saying, but I think there's still teams that are definitely in that boat of of embracing the build i think it's really yeah. like one extreme or the other there's not a whole lot of middle ground there anymore and you even yeah. see that in like things like contracts like there aren't there's either max players or there's not there's not really a whole lot of those like we talked about doug mcdermott a lot i can't believe that he continues to come up on this podcast but somehow he does where he's just one of those guys that can fill in those you know those holes of a trade where a 10 million dollar kicker is needed or whatever those are very valuable because there just aren't very many of those guys right it's really interesting it's a it's an interesting uh shift from whenever the C, the uh the tv deal came and it injected more money into the league i don't know that they thought they realized it'd be so top heavy and so bottom heavy i haven't thought about this before um so i'm gonna spitball here okay let's go with it um but we've talked about how the league is going to this this what's deemed as a heliocentric uh league where you have one big superstar and you put players around him like Luka Doncic like Giannis like LeBron right um the salary I wonder if the salary caps if I like ran the numbers the salaries would would reflect that like just think look at Houston two players command the 60 more than 60 percent of their overall salary right and then the rest are just fillers sure. but, uh, Lakers are like that too with two max players even dude even the Arguably, the Warriors would have been like that last year, except for that it was four different players that counted over 150% of their overall salary cap, right? So I wonder if we're seeing that in the new CBA as well, um, that Chris Paul you or actually negotiated and landed himself in OKC for the twilight of his career because he negotiated that as an NBA Players Association. Pretty uh, good. Head of that, yeah. So I wonder if we're seeing that because of the, C- the CBA. And I wonder if they'll try to fight against that later. We're we'll to come on that later. It's Chris a good Paul point, but it's exactly like the tanking thing, though. Like, what do you do about that specifically? Because it's not a bad – well, I don't, we don't know that it's a successful model. Just because it happened with Kawhi last year doesn't necessarily mean it's a successful model. But yeah. I, I think we're going away from the super team thing for sure. And there is more talent distribution throughout the league. But the talent level in general has gotten so much better, too. That Agreed. You don't need to be a superstar. There's nothing wrong with being a Pippin to Jordan, you know? Agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Supermaxes have gotten a lot larger than they were. There, You know, you go back 10 years ago, I think 22 or 24 million was probably the highest salary in the league. So yeah, uh, it's changed a lot in that regards. But yeah, I think it's going to be two two players at max with a couple of 10 player million players and then a bunch of, you know, three to five. And like, that's just going to be the recipe over the next at least – four years until they do the next tv deal we yeah. think anyway they're gonna have i mean if it doesn't work teams like say the lakers just have a first round exit say the clippers somehow have a uh, these are these things are not going to happen but i'm just saying say that those things happened maybe less so the clippers but it, it, say like the bucks did for whatever reason like that model is going to go out the window really quick and they're going to try to rethink it they're not going to do a good job doing that but they're going to try to because really and truly this is the first year we've seen like the model of like what the Lakers have done, like truly, truly seen it as far as what do you mean? Like just the two superstars and then trading away everything else. Like, like, Oh you were yeah, ta- yeah. Like you were talking yeah, about like specifically a, the moves, yeah. right? Like you were talking about a, a team, like a team trading for Kuzma for like a 2024 first round pick. I'm not fucking interested in that. 
Yeah. I'm not like who knows how bad or good that team's going to be at that point in time. And that that's the so like the Lakers do, my point is like the Lakers don't have any assets because of that but they don't care. That's not the model. The model is fill in the pieces where you can. We have LeBron and Anthony fucking Davis. That's true. Yeah. And what's going to end up happening though is that there teams like the Celtics that have three or four guys that probably command the maxes, they're not going to be able to pay all of them and then other teams that didn't draft those players or typically want to get them are going to get those players. And because there's so much talent, it's going to level out maybe to where every team does have a couple of superstars or it's going to be easier for other, other markets to get superstars, not due to free agency from like that being a destination spot, but just being that, Hey, this team had three max players. They can only play to pay two. One's got to go. I think it's also going to put a hard line between what is the true superstar salary based and everything versus what is a, just an all-star, right? Star, because yeah. I've talked about it before. The Supermax deals are punitive, man. We, they, so, like, the CBA came out with it because they wanted to incentivize uh, small market teams to be able to hold on to those good players because they can pay them more by having that um, those bird rights and then having uh, the Supermax deals and Rose rules and things like that where they can pay them these humongous salaries. But what you end up having – is you have a Steph Curry situation where you have one person taking up 35% of your overall cap. You sign another star that's going to take up another 30% of your overall cap or another 25% of your overall cap, and you're already at 60% of your cap. So they become punitive. So I think what's going to happen moving forward is you're going to have some players that are worth it and that um, that you really want to pay that amount. And then you'll have players like um, – let me think of a good example of who, th- who this would be that's not um, – like Russ, dude, um, that where he's not quite Giannis and you go, I don't know if I want to use 35% of my max on this. Like he's not going to be able to compete with Giannis. Do I just let him walk? And then he gets upset because he's not getting a super max and he walks. And I think it's going to eventually end up being very punitive for the teams that are, are supposed to be retaining these players because they drafted them. It's going to do the opposite of what it was originally set. Right. To That's yeah. what I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. That's what I was saying. I agree with that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go that route. Um, well, speaking of changes, hell of an all-star weekend, right? Yeah. I, it was a – the entire weekend was an overperformance for me. I was pleasantly surprised by the product. I know – where did you stand on it? Because I know you weren't overly optimistic going into the weekend. Uh, I thought Josh had the text of the weekend, and it's it, not even close. That's not a surprise. Well, that that's true, but – even more so, uh, I'm pulling it up right now just to make sure I, I read it in the proper form. That you I literally put. have no idea which one you're referring to right now. <laughs> you said, I had to use Wolfram Alpha to figure out the scoring, but at least everyone is playing really hard at the All-Star game. Yeah, That made me laugh really hard because that's what I was worried about. They made it more digestible overall than, you know that it felt like whenever you sat there and read the rules and everything, like the way that it was all presented was really good. I just can't, I keep going back to the same thought and this, the weekend didn't really prove anything differently to me is that they wanted to make some of these changes. They just crammed Kobe into it to make sure that they're showing the respect and it's a way that they can hide behind it, which I think is a really shitty thing. I like, think it, it's to like a degree. Kobe, I don't know. Like for Kobe, I think he deserves more respect than that. Yeah, I, I, I overall I still like that they paid the homage, but I, I know what you're saying is I think they're putting a more 
positive spin on it and making it about him when it's really about changes they wanted to implement anyways. Exactly my I, point. I, I, I get what you're saying. Exactly uh, my point. I have no problem with them honoring Kobe and like the numbers sure. thing. The numbers thing was a little bit confusing, I'll say, but like I get why they did it. You know, it's fine. But at one point there were two scores on the screen and I was like, what the hell is going on? Dude, they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. But yeah, like it was very Actually, confusing in that points. way because they tried to cram that into a box and it just seemed odd. And it just seemed like they wrapped that around it so they could easily make those changes that they wanted to. I it, So it did make the game more competitive to, to Josh's point. I mean, it was super, super competitive. Yeah. Like, but the guys were trying too, and that makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, and that that was like I don't know if you remember what Wolfram Alpha was, but it was when you were taking Calc two and you were way over your head, and oh, you yeah. just go to Wolfram Alpha and you throw an integral in there and it do it all for you and give you the steps. I remember like, that right. too. I had to Google it. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. to Google it though. I mean, as usually when I'm having a conversation with Josh, there's like a two and a half is probably over under on the amount of Googles I'm gonna have to do <laughs> to know what's going on. But uh, yeah, Wolfram Alpha definitely definitely hit the, hit the mark for me there. But I think you're you're exactly right in that. Like the, so how they did it was the first three quarters of our, if I remember correctly, were all for uh, 100k for each each uh, charity. Um, charity, right? The best thing about the about that too is that they they flew out the kids that were going to be affected by the charity. Yeah, the kids had to sit there and watch your busted ass miss threes while they were while you were missing threes for their college. Dude, that was so funny to it me. It was amazing. So you had to look up in the crowd and look at the people that you've disappointed after you just missed a dunk. It really One feels kid like- looks so disappointed when Harden smoked two free throws. He's like, this guy's a 90% free throw shooter. And they, they end up having a push in the third quarter, which was which was cool because then they roll it over. So oh, it was so it was nice the uh, the intensity. When dudes, like, you know, they're out there like, one, Kyle Lowry took multiple charges from LeBron and Kawhi, which is insane. Yeah. He easily get hurt by either of those guys. You know, Harden's bitching about every call. You know, the, the bench is going wild. Like, you know, they're like somewhat into it. And yeah, there's probably like a, oh, yeah. a oh. WWE aspect of it where it's a little, a little dramatized. Uh, I, I think there's almost no doubt that's the case, especially seeing how the score played out as well. You know, they wanted to go that route, but it still is entertaining and compelling either way. I mean, you had Chris Paul out there calling people out for fouls in the All-Star Dude, game. Chris Paul was that being was like so normal, funny. crazy, crazy-ass, dirty, Chris, regular season Chris Paul. What a fucking world. Mr. Yeah. I kick people in the nuts, too. Chris Paul is out there calling people out for fouls like usual in an All-Star game. I mean, what is yeah, dude, that was fantastic. When was the last time we had two charges taken in an All-Star game? Dude, right? from Almost LeBron and Kawhi. Right? I know. Right. And then also, like, Giannis had, like, two or three blocks that were just, like, dude. took a lot of defensive effort. That one where LeBron was backing oh down, and he God. put his shoulder into him and then faded away, and Giannis just jumped up there like it was nothing. Like, that was crazy. And we don't get to see – we never got to see that in an All-Star game before. Like, this legitimately looked like the best players in the league plus the bonus – all trying really hard to win a game, win a game. Kyle Lowry, but yeah, it, like, it, there was a point where Team LeBron had LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and Harden checking in, and I'm like, you just checked in four of the five best players in the, <laughs> in the league. This is absurd, but so, but like, I, do, do we know like how much do you guys think that the format took place or t- made the biggest difference here, or just the fact that the guys were trying? I think it's that the guys were trying. I mean, the format yeah. made it fun. I like the target score a- aspect of it. That was it made cool. Team LeBron come back. 
Um, and it made there be some kind of, you know, accountability for the overall score of the game. Uh, so it felt I, like I, 21. Yeah. Like first one in 157 wins. Well, and guess, it, was, it was weird how they got to the number 157, right? But but it was still – it felt really cool to me. Um, it was 146, 146 at one point. It's like, fuck it. First to 11, let's, yeah, let's I go. Mean, you know, and it's like I kind of like that aspect of it. But you you nailed it, though, Josh. The, LeBron, uh, the Giannis block on LeBron – Two blocks of LeBron, really, and then the LeBron steal from him. The, uh, I mean, Kawhi just nailing all kinds of clutch threes. I mean, it was it was by far the best All Star game I can remember in a long time. A very long time. It's honestly might be the most like competitive All Star game I've ever seen across any sport. Period. Yeah, it it really was. Like it was physical. It was. And, and like that's where I so I hesitate to give the format a ton of credit because like to me it the format did allow them to be more um I don't know like you had more mile like checkpoint milestones you weren't just waiting on a full game to be played so like you had these like checkpoint milestones where you're able to hit them and go backwards and forwards with with like the success on both sides of it so it stayed competitive right. That did make a difference, but God, that fourth quarter took one far more than 12 minutes, but like it felt like it just took forever, and I know it was longer than a normal quarter. Yeah, dude, I want more of that, honestly. But yeah, they I were, they were going to replay. They were going to replay booth in All-Star game. Like, that was crazy. <laughs> but, uh, Chris I, Paul I and think, LeBron were yelling at each other in the huddle, like legitimately getting upset at one another. Dude, which yes. Awesome. Yeah. You saw that? Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I, like, I love that. I could have watched that for another hour. And that's I think the the key here is you have to bring out the people that you're playing for and have them sit in the crowd and watch you so that you can you have to you have to try for these kids. I I'm I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I think that they could probably do something that was I don't know. I don't know, man. I I really like that. I can't after seeing it happen. I can't think of anything that they could have really done better. I I think the passion also come came from the charities and the kids being right there. And they were just like, like. We're going to put it all on the line in front of these kids. And then I do think the Kobe aspect of it gave a little momentum to it yeah. for, th- for this year specifically. I hope they really embellish the kids to get those players to play harder and they just bring out kids from St. Jude's next year, like in their <laughs> wheelchairs and stuff, and just have the shaved head little kids sitting on the sideline like, why did you miss that dunk, Giannis? <laughs> and after that, you're talking for, to kids in between, you're playing for that kid right there. He you're needs playing to for his life. Yeah. yeah, I was Jeez. gonna say that that's the one thing that they could do better is maybe not show the faces of the children that they're disappointing. <laughs> maybe just not do that. Yeah, they embellished that a lot, but it was freaking funny to me, man. I was dying when it was happening. Unintended comedy in the game, I think for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did y'all did y'all catch any of the other aspects of All Star Weekend? I know I'm in the small minority that actually watches all of it um i i said the rising stars game was going to be pretty good and it was really it was a lot less competitive defensively than the all-star game but it was still entertaining and we're seeing you know i just think the rise of of obviously luca but Ja and zion are, are what we thought they were going to be yeah um not me but we'll get <laughs> we'll get to that later um yeah i i liked the 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 Rising Stars game is where you get to go have fun. The All-Star game is what you need to go and win, you know? And I like watching Zion's fat ass try to dunk five times in a row and missing all of his dunks. I like that. So, 
<laughs> no, um, I do have some crow to eat on that, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that later. But I, I really like that. Just the overall format felt up front. You start with the Rising Stars game, which feels like really, really easy, really laid back. Just watch these young stars like score. Like that's what they're being drafted on. That's ultimately what people like to see. The vast majority of audience likes to see, right? Not necessarily me, but watch them score and kind of dream about what they could be in the future, and then move on with things that are more and more important all the way up to the slam dunk contest and then the all-star game. Previously it was like the slam dunk contest was the epitome of the weekend. And then the all-star game like, oh, who cares, you know, but not anymore, especially if they continue to make it like this. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what they, they do with this going forward. I was just looking to see if I could see the ratings. They're not quite out yet. So we should see them here pretty soon. They usually trail a couple of days because they try to get like recorded stuff and right. like, you know, people like I caught up on the, uh, the rising stars game because I didn't watch it live and, uh, but I watched everything else live. And so it was, you know, th- they do look back at those ratings and stuff. So I'll be interested to see what those look like. Uh, what did you, where were you guys at on the three point contest? I, I thought it was an interesting group, but I was, that was the least enthralling of everything for me. See, I, mean, yeah. I really liked Evan Booker, so I thought it was – I wanted him to win. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, those were great scores, though. So, I mean, they clearly picked yeah. the right guys to shoot. They did. Are those the highest scores of all time? They might They might have been. They I can't were think up of- there. It's usually like low 20s and mid 20s at the best that's winning it, and everybody was like high 20s. Does, they, does Vegas have any prop bets on if somebody will roll a perfect round? Because I think that that's coming up in the next few years. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to shoot a perfect round. Yeah, I think it would have to be – would have to probably be Steph though. Yeah. Or Seth. Um, yeah. <laughs> Seth, Seth just passed him for the number one all, all time or number one current field three point percentage. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I really like Bertans a lot and his yeah. dude, he's like six eleven out there. No, he's ridiculous. Um, Devonte Graham looked fine. Joe Harris, eh, but buddy, I, I guess I was surprised by buddy healed like coming out in the clutch at the very, very end. Like he did. He's a good player. I, I don't. I guess he's just been muted because he's been in Sacramento for so long. Is that is that where we're at he's, with him? He's muted because have you ever heard him talk? You can't understand <laughs> okay. him. That's why, that. that's why you mute him. Aside it's from bad. that, isn't he also like way older or something? Then wasn't that a thing? He well, he played four years at OU. Yeah, so okay. he's he's older than the average rookie. No, he but caught like, a lot of traction and he got really really hot his senior year at OU. He, I mean, right. he won uh, Player of the Year. Uh, in the NCAA, I can't. Even, I guess it was the Wooden Award. He won the Wooden Award. Okay. I think to point Josh made earlier, the line's going to get drawn in the sand really hard between who's a superstar and who's a star. Like Buddy Heald is his ceiling is star. His ceiling is not superstar. Right. Like so that's that's the kind that's a better example than Russ. Like that guy, you draft that guy. He's averaging twenty four points a game in his second to third year and shooting forty percent from the three point line. And you're at the point where, do I supermax this guy? Do I give him a rose rule? Do I give him a hometown bird rights? You know, so that that's that's the kind of guy I was talking about. But I figured it out. By the way, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, so he did. He, the Kings somehow had him listed at 25 years old, and he was 26. And like in December of 2018, he was in a press conference. and was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm actually 26, not 25. Yeah. And just kind of ripped it out, and that's that's where that came from. <laughs> I knew there was something like that. The Kings are trying to be like these teams in Little League World Series in, from like Dominican. They're bringing over like 17-year-old kids with beards. They're like, he's 11. <laughs> yeah, minimizing <laughs> playing time to get the, the max out of a contract, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 
Dude, isn't it weird how so Bam won the skills challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So isn't it weird how this is consistently like big men or like skilled big men like Jokic has won it? Uh I can't I, I think Kevin Love's won it. It's just always yeah, like skilled won. big men that are able to to win this because I guess shooting is involved, obviously. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the bigs are out there trying and the and the guards don't really care. I think yeah. it's what's happening because like all bigs want to be guards, right? And guards to a, to an extent want to be able to dunk like bigs. But uh, um, I, I think that's what's ultimately happening. Except for Patrick Beverly, who's just not skilled enough to try skilled enough to win it, but he will try and he will <laughs> yell at you because he just hit a three. If there was a shit talking component to it, he would, he would be, you know, minus one ten to win that thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wish that, I wish that, People would just turn off their TVs when he's on the screen, so that the NBA can go. Okay, let's get him out of the league because he's killing our ratings. Josh, your God, dude, your your list of people you hate in the NBA is very narrow, but it is focused as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's fair. And like people like this come up all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, he does hate that guy. That's. <laughs> To be fair, though, how many people don't hate Patrick Beverly? I think that everybody hates I Patrick Bev. I love Pat Beverly. Bev, but I get it. Holy cow, really? I, Je- no, Justin likes Pat Bev because he plays on the Clippers and he it's a disdain for the Lakers, and he likes what he brings to the table because it is a Lakers kryptonite to an extent. The, you just want so you catch the Clippers in the finals with Boston, and then he's like trying to hurt your your guy the entire time. Then yeah. see how much you yeah. like Pat. Yeah, that'll change your mind real yeah. quick. hundred <laughs> percent. No, I've always liked Pat Bev because of the fact that he speaks his mind and doesn't give a fuck about getting in people's heads. And we don't have enough of that in the NBA anymore. Too much soft shit. Yeah, his and I do respect the, the one thing I respect about Chris Chris Paul too is same with Pat Bev. If you're six foot and you can be an intimidating dude in the league, um, that's that's tough to do mm, yeah. dude i don't understand why one of these soft ass centers just doesn't put him on his ass one day <laughs> yeah. and like and step on his neck like jesus dude he, the dude weighs half what you weigh just kill him like dude, you know who just real quick i have to say this talking about just size and strength look like just the strongest human on the court last night was joel Embiid. oh yeah Joel Embiid's easily the strongest guys, player on that i court. want to see patrick beverly guard joel Embiid because joel Embiid will kill him did you see that little shoulder shake he had on lebron in the post yeah. That was nasty, yeah, it dude. Was. Whenever he plays hard and whenever he, he – like he's an MVP-level candidate whenever he's like locked yeah, dude. in, dude. And healthy. But, yeah, but he just doesn't want it when he's off the court like we've talked about previously. Like he Is doesn't, he stronger doesn't, than Giannis? Dude, I, I've watched Giannis back him down and I've watched Embiid back Giannis down and like they're pretty darn close. Pretty close. Yeah. And also, I'm pretty darn convinced that – Giannis, for being as long as he is, is the strongest player in the league. Like between him and Embiid, I think Zion will be in that conversation when he's twenty three years old. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Are we ready for me to eat crow yet? Are we? Are we yeah. to that segment? I think we're I here. One hundred percent. We've covered. We've covered everything. So I was one hundred percent wrong about Zion. Um, I said that he was going to be like a, uh, like a fatter Julius Randle. But what I've decided is he's actually <laughs> like a like a fatter Derrick Rose. So. Uh, that's my new comparison. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a fat Derrick Rose, right? Um, I d- still don't see how he's going to progress. Like, and I, I still have big time injury concerns in regards to him. But dude, he is so much better basketball. He has such a be- so much better of a basketball mind than I thought he did. Yeah, which his is IQ big- is really high, and he's going to be a scorer, which is I think where you're. You were thinking he's maybe a 
15 to 16 point score now develops to a 20 where he's probably a 20 point score now develops to a 25, 26. Yeah. And he has been bad on the defensive end, which is where I actually, he's the opposite of what I said. He'd be a great right. defender, uh, really bad offensive player. He's been the opposite, right? That, and that's, but I think the good news is obviously shooting is his area. He needs to improve on the most in the off seasons, but the ones that are likely to improve and more going to be easier to like tap into that potential is defensively. And if he can continue to work on his ball handling, dude, his ball handling for 287 is pretty fucking good. If he can develop yeah. those two things, he's going to be, and I'm going to stick with this, the a combination of Draymond and Blake Griffin. He's going to be that type of player. And I think he can play center in the NBA right now. I think he's strong enough, dude. Like, if you really watch him, when he boxes dudes out, he moves grown men. He can he, play center against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He, he can play, the play the center he can play for the, the Rockets. against the Rockets. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, dude. I I've been, I've been super surprised by him. But one thing that I did like, did you watch his game against the against the Bucks? Yes, it was pretty yeah. evident. Like he scored. I think he scored twenty. What did he score? Twenty five. Uh, it was in the twenties. Yeah, it was almost thirty. Yeah, but it was pretty darn evident that he did not was not like that was the first time that he was really bothered. Yeah, he wasn't ready to be on the court because he's a sophomore in college. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm not I'm not worried about that, but 25 points is not always 25 points, right? He was very inefficient. He was very – he took 20, 25 shots or something like that. It was like almost one-to-one. Um, and it was pretty obvious that Giannis could put the clamps on him. As a matter of fact, they put Giannis on him the entire game. And, dude, here's the deal. I'm comparing an MVP, best player in the league <laughs> – to a rookie, right? So, to like, a guy I that was that. playing in his I'm eighth not NBA to, game. Yeah, exactly. To a rookie, <laughs> it's NBA game. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for my takes just because of that, or trying to say that this is apples to apples. But this is the exact thing that I thought would happen in that, like, when you play against a guy that's athletic with you and with length. Like, I don't Zion's ceiling for me is not higher than like a Giannis or a no. Luka, right? No, no. So but if, if you're saying. To, I still would have Zion third on the this list you and I always argue about of who you would take to start a franchise for like young guys like twenty four and under. I would go Giannis, Luca, Zion. I would still take Zion over Ja, over Simmons, over any of these Tatum. Uh, I know you're you're not quite there yet, but I think I'm not I quite think there. with with the let's talk after he's got fifty NBA games. Like I think that'll be enough of a, maybe a hundred NBA games. That's the sample size where it's like if he's averaging twenty two. It's like okay, I'm there. Here's here's what I here's what I'll give you. If he drops to 260 and he's still doing the same things that he's doing right now, I will be there. Okay. Mm. okay. The, like the the 50 games, I don't think that unless he starts averaging 35 a game on super efficiency, uh, I don't think that the 60 50 games versus now is going to show me anything different than what I'm seeing. What's going to show me something different is whether I can be assured that he has a relatively injury free. Well, I'm saying he plays 50 consecutive games without getting injured. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um. So that would that would help too. I think that I'd be more convinced by him being at two sixty and doing these things okay. than two eighty five. It's fair. It's fair. Nice. Well, I I hate that you have to eat crow on this, but I guess you do a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, but Ben Simmons could just shoot Derek Rose. If ben Simmons could just shoot with the right hand. <laughs> if ben I'm Simmons, still taking Ben Simmons. If, if he could shoot with the right hand, you might have a, a better case here. But Jesus, did you see the meme? Did you see the meme? Simmons, yes. Of. Ben Simmons is taking a three-point shot in the warm-up for the All-Star game or sometime at All-Star weekend, and oh, no. it's LeBron, James Harden, 
uh, you got to pull it up, Josh. There's multiple NBA superstars behind it, and they're all literally grinning at him taking a jump shot. Like James Harden's <laughs> like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" It's it's That's pretty bad. telling of what those guys think of him as a as a shooter for professional athletes. It's pretty bad. And honestly, yeah, his uh, his form looked a lot worse in that picture than I recall it being. <laughs> it looked like really no, it bad. looked bad, dude. Like is that photoshopped? Because it just looks like seventh grade B team girl, girls where it's just two hands on each side of the ball just pushing it at the rim like it's really rare that someone makes it to a professional level in any sport with just purely a, bad form like that like a whoever, glaring hole like a whoever hole told him that that was okay to shoot like that should not be coaching people <laughs> yeah. well crazy. it's the thing is he was just playing aau and like you know when he's 13 he's just like dunking on kids they're like yeah i think he's gonna be all right that's fair yeah it's, I don't know if they have great shooting coaches in Australia. They're mostly worried about running for their lives. Mm. <laughs> I understand. And kangaroos. Kangaroos as well. They will box your ears. They will. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. It's good uh, catching up with you fellas. Good All-Star weekend overall. I'm, I'm, Absolutely. I thought it was much more exciting than it has been in previous years. I don't know how many more eyes it drew necessarily, but we'll find out more in the coming weeks and see what the format's going to look like going forward. So I thought it was it was very interesting to say the least. So... All right, we want to remind everyone, follow us on social media uh, so, at Sensibly Loud on Instagram and on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook as well. Make sure to give us a call as well. We want to hear from you guys. That number to remind everyone is 972-885-9361. I want to play some voicemails on this show. We're going to we're gonna start doing that. So we want people to call in. Please do it. I mean, do, go ahead and pitch it. I'll let you guys pitch it real quick. Uh, call in and argue with me about my fat Derek Rose for Zion take. Ooh, that's <laughs> what I want to hear. Yeah, we want to hear what you guys' thoughts are. We want to uh, obviously have uh, you know open dialogue with the listeners and uh, be able to respond to to your guys' takes and challenge us on ours. Yeah, exactly. So getting that number nine seven two eight eight five nine three six one. Call it up. Just leave a voicemail. No one will answer it, so you don't have to talk to anybody awkwardly. I promise. Other than maybe Ben Baseball, but who knows? Uh, he doesn't answer the phone very often. But uh, yeah, leave a message there. We'll play it on the show. We'll talk about it. Anyway, we're out here. We'll see you guys next week.